This episode is brought to you by Lumi Loves. I got interviewed like recently and they had asked me, um, like, would you ever stop the show? Where do you see the show going? Like, what is the purpose? And I told the person that was interviewing me, I said, I've never in my life felt like God was like using me for something. Mm. And like, I've always had purpose. I've, I've always known that I wanted to be on camera and in the entertainment industry. I went to school for acting. So I just knew that I had a passion for this. But for the first time in my entire life, I just feel like God is like using me mm. for something. So I, I honestly feel like the show is bigger than me. Like it's not even about me, it's like about us as I a collective. It. So you're doing so good. Welcome yeah. to Growing Up Latina. Thank you. <laughs> I see like a like a sitcom. I can see like um El Vecino abriendo la puerta and like mm -hmm. Growing Up Latino be having its own series, like yeah. and, and, and los chistes, and you can like all relate to it because just the the, the name, it just just connects with all of us who we grew up Latino. So let me Latina. So we yeah. know what it feels like and you can just connect and hear the stories. Um, if I could just close my eyes and imagine what that would be, it would be fun. It would mm -hmm. be, you know, deep, emotional, right? Like, do you feel like we are emotional people? Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? I think we are, <laughs> right? Um, I mean, we're passionate, mm -hmm. right? Everything we do is with passion or extra. <laughs> Super <laughs> extra. Super extra. What was it like for you growing up Latina? Like, what was... Because I feel like in order to understand the woman that you are today, we need to go back to yeah. little Veronica. Yeah. Um, so what can you tell us about how you grew up? I grew up um, so blessed. My mother and my father, they worked really hard to make sure that I knew where we came from. So mm -hmm. growing up, having been born in Germany... Mm -hmm. a military brat. Okay. Um, my father, you know, that was the, the the decision he made to make a sacrifice for our family. Um, my parents got married in New York. Uh, my dad chased my mom to, you know, when she moved to New York, he wanted to chase his love and build a future with her. And the army was their, their way to build a life together. And, you know, growing up in the military was it came with some challenges but mm -hmm. my mom and my dad made sure que en la, en la casa se habla de español mm -hmm. she was like a mí no me vengas a hablar inglés aquí she was like mm -hmm. you're gonna speak spanish in the house and outside you'll you know speak english she was like she made sure that she kept that the the, the culture alive in our home and everything from the, the music my parents listened to, the parties we would have, um, you know, just the, the things that we had to do before we could go out and play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just think of all those things. And Were was, you an only child? Or? No, I have a brother. Okay. I have a brother. Uh, he's three years older than me. And, um, you know, we both, uh, we're completely different. Mm -hmm. I really embraced the, the, the Hispanic and Latino culture. I was mm -hmm. like, and people were like, no, you weren't. You were born in Germany. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. So um, for me, it was I was always trying to fight this identity mm -hmm. of feeling Latina, mm -hmm. but not being Latina enough in the mm. eyes of those who perhaps were born in Puerto Rico or, right. you know, um, just didn't understand how I could be so passionate about being Latina, but never really grew up in Puerto Rico. And I'm like, my mom made sure every summer we would go to Puerto Rico. Yeah. She would ship me off to my grandma's house. Tú te va, and you're going to go visit your aunt. You're going to stay with your grandmother. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was my home. Right. So I looked forward to it up until I was about 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Every summer it was going to my aunt's house and just, you know, living those three months on the island. And I'd come back even more Latina. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but, you know, what was interesting is my mom was an entrepreneur. My mom... Um, you know, I get emotional thinking about it, but um, the entrepreneur that I am today, I think, is is as a result to witnessing my mother's entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. My mother, um, in these military bases where my father was stationed, she was the one who would bring the Latino community together. Mm. So, so she, she was would, like that glue. She, she that... would bring La Parranda. Mm -hmm. She was, mira, we're going to have a get together. You know, I remember the domino tables. I remember if there was uh, uh, someone that she thought 
was Latino, whether they were from a different country, a different, you know, whether South America, Central America, Caribbean, whatever. My mom was like, Tú eres Latina. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then my mom is, if you meet her, she's like the glue. Everybody loves her. Everybody wants to be, you know, friends with her. She's adored. Right. Um, but she would bring community together. She would start doing activities. My mother, um, eventually, we were stationed in Junction City, Kansas. There's not a lot of Hispanics yeah. in Jun- Junction City, Kansas. So how do you keep um, that spirit alive, yeah. right? So what did she do? She opened the first Hispanic record store. I love that. And that's when, you know, I mean, I grew up with everything from, you know, Eddie Santiago, mm-hmm. Frankie Negron. I mean, all the music that my dad and my dad had this closet. Like I remember in our house, it was just full of all the records. Mm-hmm. Um, and every Saturday morning, you'd hear, you know, the music. You had to clean the house and you were jamming out. Yeah. But what was interesting is my mother, you know, I witnessed her open this this record store in a mm-hmm. place where there wasn't a lot of Hispanics, and she would drive to Chicago, New York, Miami to go get um the the products and the music um and that was the first you know like memory that i have of her entrepreneurship going into the community and like turning it into a business how old were you i was about six or seven did you okay so actually i was five in kansas okay few few things i want to touch on really quick so does she ever have a conversation with you or did you ever hear her say you know like what was the mission behind her opening this door like why she wanted to do it like did you get that little story that back piece i never got it early on okay i got it afterwards you know for for her her mission was to you know really really bring the community together she saw a need and um the story progresses i mean she did way more than that i mean you know being in the military so my dad would get orders she'd have to leave she'd have to close shop or sell it and move on and um our kind of final destination was in georgia Mm -hmm. um about 100 miles south of atlanta Mm -hmm. um and that's where it really really um, opened up. I mean, my mother brought Gilbertito Santa Rosa. She brought Mark Anthony. She brought um, a lot of artists that back then were just starting out. Right. Tito Nieves. And I was behind the scenes watching my mom. Some of them came to our house. I and that. I was behind the scene watching her put these big, you know, concerts and productions. And then she opened a bodega. She opened um, the first bodega in Columbus, Georgia, right outside wow. the military base. Um, she opened a, um, a restaurant and um, eventually got the key to the city from the mayor for being <laughs> um, such a pioneer in bringing mm-hmm. the Hispanic community together. And this is in the 80s, mm-hmm. you know, so there was still a lot of work to be done. And I remember, you know, growing up in Georgia, it was either black or white. Mm-hmm. There was no in between. And right. if you were Hispanic and no offense, they'd be like, oh, you're Mexican. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm Puerto Rican. They're like, what's that? You know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there was still a lack of awareness. Right. But, you know, my mom was so passionate about it and I carried her passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to work at the store. I had to, you know, help. I had to be, you know, part of the family business. Mm-hmm. Before I could go out and play or before I could go out and hang out with my friends, my mom was like, okay, did you stock the store? Did you do what you had to do? Right. And, um, you know. Did you feel that pressure though? Like, did you feel the pressure of, trying to live up to your mom's achievements at that time no i was just so grateful to just i was always a a little hustler myself so Mm -hmm. i wanted and i liked money at the time Mm -hmm. i was like oh i could get you know jordans where my mom was like oh you want those jordans you got to work x amount of hours Mm -hmm. and i was like okay you know and at the time you know of course you really don't have a concept of money but Mm -hmm. she taught me the concept of money what that's interesting so Another few things I want to talk about. There's two things I want to talk about really quick in this story, which I find fascinating. One is you moved around a lot, right? Yeah. Because your dad was in the military. But in terms of identity, yeah. what were the challenges there? I know you briefly touched on it, but like for instance, with me, I was born in Puerto Rico. My dad's Dominican. But I've growing up, I've always heard you're not Dominican. Mm. You're Puerto Rican and you were raised with your Puerto Rican mom because my mother and my father got divorced Mm. so naturally my Spanish to some would sound very Puerto Rican or you know when I moved to New York um, I actually didn't know any English all I spoke was Spanish but then once I moved to New York went to school lost all the Spanish Mm. so that did a lot for me it was actually very challenging to try to defend my ethnicity right so i wonder like the challenges for you in defending your identity 
yeah. while moving. Yeah, I mean, first of all, um, moving is always hard, right. you know, and I moved during key years of my life, you know, um, elementary, middle school, you know, high school. Those are years that, you know, you usually get rooted in right. a place. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, um, something I'm extremely grateful for and the places that we did live in, and this is not to knock anyone, mm -hmm. um, but people that I grew up with, either they've moved further and further away from their Latin, so Latino right. roots, and like it was kind of like, let's say they married, you know, a different culture, and at the time it was in Georgia, it was either black or white, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of this thing of like, you know, they don't speak Spanish anymore, or they really don't identify as Latinos, and I, I took a stance. And I just stayed, I am not gonna waver. Yo soy Latina, I'm proud of it, I know who I am. And my mother, my father did such a great job. And I would, to the point that I would defend it, yeah. even when it, we, I was bullied. You know, I was bullied in school. I went to an all black high school, you know, and, and, and I was the girl that would stand up for the girls that were being picked on. I was the girl right. that would, you know, uh, represent and say that I was proud of who I was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, had a little bit of flavor, but mm -hmm. at the same yeah. time, you know, people would sometimes confuse like, oh, are you trying to be this? No, I'm not trying to be anything. I know who I am. Right. And right. I've always taken that stance. Um, and there, of course, were challenges, like I said before, not feeling Latina enough, but having it in my soul. Like right. to me, my identity's always been that. And there was a moment when I lived in Puerto Rico um, at 18, um, I decided to move there when my parents moved there after they kind of quasi-retired. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember working at El Conquistador. And um, mm -hmm. there I did a lot of, you know, tu sabe, and I was speaking and my Spanglish mm -hmm. and my broken Spanish yeah. at the time. And there I felt a lot of discrimination. Mm. Mira la gringa, ella no habla español, ella no sabe habla español. And mm -hmm. I was like, ¿Qué, qué? I was like, tú eres de allá afuera. I'm like, yeah. no, I'm like. So I've always taken this stance that I don't care where I was born. I don't care, you know, what people think. I know that I am 100% Latina. I'm I proud of that. it. I love that. Now, I want to I touch on money because you it, it it sounds like you yes had an early concept of money but you also had a good relationship with money doesn't sound like you had the relationship i had with money which is like i was taught to be afraid of like getting a credit card or you know like things like that so what what do you remember with what your parents taught you about the concept of money and how to make more of it like what do you remember about that you know i think the reality is is that Watching my parents go through bankruptcy mm -hmm. um, was it was it was something that left an impact on me. And watching my mom close her business down and her dream because of bad business decisions and mm -hmm. having bad partners and not having the financial literacy. Mm -hmm. She had a dream, but she didn't have the financial literacy. Mm -hmm. And I picked up on that early on. Okay. And I made a decision that if I had the same opportunity that my mom and my dad did, um, that I was going to change the narrative. Mm. That I wasn't going to work hard from the you know this dream and lose it all. And I think that was where I immediately realized I needed to become financially literate. And I remember I failed economics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I actually failed economics um, the first time in high school. Um, and it could have been because I was, you know, hanging out, doing right, a couple other right. things. It wasn't because I wasn't paying attention. Um, but then I realized, no, I, this isn't aligned with what I know I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Took it again, passed it. Um, and then in college, it's interesting, um, my degrees in business science mm -hmm. and human resources. And instead of taking um, electives, I chose to go into accounting. Mm. I said, I want to understand money. I want to understand how to not only make it, but mm -hmm. to keep it. And I have had my share of, of mistakes with money. I've opened businesses. I've closed businesses. I've gone through bankruptcy too. I mm -hmm. mean, it hasn't always been perfect, but what I did was I made a conscious decision to stay really, really curious about um, money mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. what money can do for you and learn from people who are wealthy mm-hmm. and ask questions mm-hmm. um, and not be afraid of what mm-hmm. money can do for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was chasing money, um, money wouldn't, wouldn't serve me well. But mm. when I started realizing that money was an exchange of energy and that it can do really great things for you mm-hmm. and it's how you, it's what you just said, that relationship with money. Right. I say a lot of people, I, I said this the other day to someone and I you know, read books, some people don't have a money-making issue, they have a money-keeping issue. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, they, they, they're obsessed with the idea of losing it. They're obsessed with like, oh my God, you know, and um, also when they get it, there's just poor financial management right um and i witnessed that and mm-hmm. it's not casting judgment it's mm-hmm. just saying like i saw it firsthand and i saw how hard my mom worked and i also saw how just not having perhaps the proper support system mm-hmm. um caused her to not have any more of it mm-hmm. and today um my mission you know anyone that knows them knows me you know my goal was to retire my parents and Tired them, bought them their house. They don't have to worry about anything, you know. Um, they're my heroes. They're mm-hmm. my inspiration. So um, I don't ever stress about like, am I gonna be able to take care of my parents? Because I already know that the relationship that I have with money, the relationship I have with myself, with abundance, with energy, uh, it's just flow. But okay, that wasn't always like that, no. right? Because yes, it is a mindset switch that happens but it's also the action step. Yeah. So what were some of the actions you were taking at that time to bring this abundance of money? Yeah. Um, you know, it also sounds like you were a risk taker as well. Like I'm a huge started, yeah. risk taker. I'm a huge risk taker. Sure. And, and uh, abundance and scarcity just can't coexist. Mm-hmm. They just can't coexist. Mm-hmm. And when people, you know, they want these big dreams, but they're not willing to take risk. I don't, I don't operate in that manner. Right. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this, but the reward's going to be big. But once it does, once we do have this reward, then I have to be smart about my money, right? Because mm-hmm. I have made mistakes in the past and I don't want to be back in that position. Because I'm in the real estate space. You right. know, I lived in the 2008 crash. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing the Range Rover be taken out of the driveway, mm-hmm. you know, going mm-hmm. from eating filet mignon to ramen noodles. Right. Um, which I grew up on ramen noodles, by the way. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Right, but, like, right. um, you know, I, I remember that feeling and I'm like, gosh, I don't want to go through that again. Mm-hmm. And um, I just started making better decisions in my business. And I do believe that action and momentum is, is, is kind of like the formula to combat, um, you know, poverty. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and that broke mindset. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, all right, I can't control what's happening in the economy, but I can control what I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to outwork everyone. I'm just going to, you know, follow my dreams, not let anybody get in my way, not let anybody get in my head that, Nana, you know, take the safe route, go get a J-O-B, you right. know, uh, entrepreneurship is hard. Um, I refuse to let those words, you know, like influence me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, yeah, no, you could tell somebody else there, but I'm not going to be that person that lets fear hold me back from what I truly believe I'm supposed to do. Right. And um, I just started just getting back up, mm-hmm. get back up. Okay, redeem yourself. Lost the house, lost it all, swallowed my pride and says, and said, I'm going to just this time around, I'm going to learn from my mistakes mm-hmm. and um, get in the rooms with people who are smarter than me. Mm-hmm. And um, when I couldn't afford a coach, I hired a coach. Mm. When I couldn't afford to be in the rooms with people who were doing bigger things than me, I got in those rooms. Mm-hmm. And then what was interesting was I was very unassuming. Probably like, oh, you know, hi, you're cute. You yeah, know, yeah. like, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. But I'd leave those rooms and I'd go take action and mm-hmm. implement. And I've been in the rooms with other people at the same time, and they they'll say to me, Damn, Veronica, you've done some great things. So many people have an opportunity to do something, but they just go there and they just stay idle or they just don't do anything and the, or they have analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. And my thing was like, all right, I'm gonna go try this. I'm gonna make a mistake. And if, you know, I'm gonna learn from it. Right. And um, it's gonna be a great lesson. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is where my business started to change and the financial, uh, I would say, alignment really started to fall into place. 
We interrupt this episode to tell you about Lumi Lofts located in Orlando, Florida, where creativity shines and content comes to life. Looking to execute video or photo content for your personal business or brand? Look no further. Lumi Lofts sets are incredibly adaptable and they have a distinctive ambiance to suit all your creative needs. Make sure you book now at Lumi Lofts. Now, back to Growing Up Latina. You said something in one of your speeches where you were saying the idea of like almost kind of competing with yourself, feeling like things are not enough. You know, you are trying to top what you did maybe yesterday or the year before or the year before that. How do you like where do you stand now with that? Uh, great question. Um, you know, I've accomplished a lot of things. Uh, things that in my career a, a lot of Latinos have not mm -hmm. um, and I'm super proud to, to, to have had a seat at, a ta at the table but I will say my mind has changed my mindset has changed I do believe I'm only competing with myself mm -hmm. but um, I do believe that there is a there is a real big issue with the desire to chase over achievement mm -hmm. and um to the point that mental health uh, really became an issue for me. And um, in my industry, it's very competitive. It's mm -hmm. very competitive, cutthroat, just like a lot of industries. All right. And when you reach a level that a lot of people look up to or say, oh, they made it, but can they do it again? Mm -hmm. Can they maintain and, that? Yeah, can they maintain it? Mm -hmm. And every year was growth, 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 growth. And it started, you know, to really take a toll on me because I think I started to believe that I needed to prove myself to other people. And um, when I started to, to let that consume me, I stopped having fun and um, sleepless nights. Uh, it started affecting my mental health, my marriage, my relationships with my children and just, it became toxic. And I think now that I'm older and I have a little bit more wisdom, yeah. Um, I don't need to prove anything to anyone. And yeah, I am competing with myself, but competing with myself looks a lot different. Um, what does that look like for you now? Before it used to be just, you know, success and, and awards and accolades and to the demise of my marriage and my relationship with my kids. And um, I gained 100 pounds, I was mm -hmm. depressed, I was overweight. Now it's, I wanna be healthy. I wanna have a healthy marriage. I wanna have healthy relationships. I mm -hmm. wanna enjoy life. I wanna enjoy the fruits of my labor. I wanna working less maybe. And yeah. I don't need to make as much money as I used as I at one point thought. And ironically, I still make that or more. Right. Um, but this desire and this toxic trait that we have out there, grind, hustle, do more, do more, do more, um, took a toll on me. Right. And now um I look at it completely different. I don't want that life. I want a life that is of substance. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, it sounds like your your definition of success has yeah. changed. Yeah. Oh, I'm a cry. <laughs> um, I haven't seen my son in a month. Um, he's dealing with his own issues. Just to me, success looks like hugging him for the first time. Mm -hmm cooking a pre-Thanksgiving meal and spending family time just talking mm -hmm. and being grateful that he's alive. If you could change one thing yeah. in your life, if you can have one moment back, you know? Yeah, it would be spending more time with my kids when I gave so much to my business and I didn't have time to balance. I didn't know how to balance it. But, you know, my son said something to me. Um, he's like, Mom, I'm so proud of you. And your resilience is what is the glue of this family. And you showed us. I know that sometimes you're hard on yourself. He's like, you're the best mom that I could have ever asked for. So, like, it's like those moments. But you think of, like, the holidays, right? Especially us being Hispanic, you know, mm -hmm. Hispanic, Latino. Yeah. Like, we look forward to those mo moments, right? We're like... Whose house are we going to for Thanksgiving? Yes. Or like, who's hosting Noche Buena? Yes. You know, and um, this year we won't be together on Thanksgiving or 
you know, Christmas. We're going to be in Puerto Rico, my husband and I. And, you know, my son is choosing a different path. And my kids are older now. And the empty nester syndrome is real. You know, mm -hmm. you start thinking. But they're spreading their wings, doing their own thing. Um, but you hope that you instilled that, you know, that good upbringing. And the one thing I know is, like, I think of when my kids, when they were little, you know, I'm just so proud of, like, when they would walk in, daban un beso y decían bendición. Mm-hmm. You know, my kids are respectful to elders. My kids are, you know, like, cuando entran, le dan beso a todo el mundo. Mm -hmm. You know, they're very, very, like, and I'm, like, so proud that they they they, they learned that from us. Yeah. And um, just hearing my son say, like, Mom, I'm going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You did good. We, you know, will celebrate today. And I know we won't be together on Thanksgiving and the holidays, but, you know, we're good. And I think it's the perspective too, because growing up, I've always seen like my mom work and I remember being so angry at her. Yeah. I would always be like, why are you working so much? You're like, not, and she was a single mom, four kids. Yeah. So she's like, what do you mean? I have to work. And I just felt like she just never dedicated time to us in the way that I would hope she would have done. And again, in my therapy sessions, my therapist said, you know, I think your mom is a, a superhero. Mm. Like your mom, like the fact that she is working and she is putting a roof over your head, like, and it really changed my perspective on how I saw my mom, how I viewed her. And I did have a moment where I actually apologized to my mother because I said, you know, you forget that like your mom is a human being as well. You're just looking at her like, that's my mom. Yeah. And when I had that moment, it, it changed everything for me. And I did, and, I, and now when I look back at my childhood, I remember what a hardworking woman she was, mm. you know? And I remember my mom took her GED. I remember her being in the kitchen. I was doing my, my schoolwork. She was studying for school. Oh, wow. And that, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna cry. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's cry. the mom guilt is like real, but like yeah. when you look back, you're like, wow. She actually was laying a foundation. And mm -hmm. it's probably, like you said, your hero, like my mom's my hero. Mm -hmm. And I remember there were friends that their moms were always at everything. And my mom was like, Toma, mi amor, llévate $20. I can't do it. I got to go open the shop. And I always felt jealous that my mom's friend, you know, my friend's moms were there. And, but they looked up to my mom. Right. And, and then, of course, there was always someone who would shame my mom or something like that. And I remember I used to stand up for my mom. Mm -hmm. And I was so grateful for her. And I know she was holding it down. And when my dad was stationed in the field or off to some other states, I mean, raising two kids in the military alone is hard, too. And, you know, also trying to be a business owner. So I look up to her. And then now my kids also have seen what I've done. And I've gotten a lot of accolades, a lot of awards, but the best ones I've ever gotten was when my kids would text me or, or say something, you know, like, Mom, we're so proud of you. You know, and I've mm -hmm. had, I've done some pretty cool things. My son sent me a text the other day. He was like, you know, you've interviewed Venus Williams and Damon John and people like that. He was like, Mom, like, you made a kid. And he'll say yeah. things like that. And I'm like, nothing else matters right. other than my, my son or my daughter's acknowledgement. Right. Or like, mom, like, thank you. Mm. And I, I, I aspire to be like you. And I'm like, oh, God. You know? Yeah. And um, like you said, what does success look like? It looks completely different than before. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I went through that. But I'm glad I'm who I am today. Mm -hmm. And um it, it's it's all about living a life with purpose mm -hmm. and um, still discovering who you are. I think life is a destination. I mean, it's not a destination. It's a journey, right? Absolutely. And and falling in love with myself and Jesus and, 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 and you know, reintroducing myself to the world and my family and knowing what I know now. That's, that's why I'm in a, I, I would say, in a really healthy place with myself. You also said something about legacy, which I loved. You said, I, I sell a lot of homes, but nothing compares to like the legacy that I want to leave behind. So I'm interested in knowing what is, what is that legacy that you would like to leave behind? Yeah, for me, it's, you know, I hope that I can help not just women, but I have a, a passion for women. Mm -hmm. um, just unlock who they're supposed to be, mm -hmm. you know, 
overcome whatever trauma, whatever limited belief they have, and just give themselves permission to just go and live life to the fullest. Go chase that dream. Go face fear in the face. Don't let anyone get in your way. Um, and I've gone through a lot of stuff in my life, some trauma, some things that most people probably would not have been able to even believe that I went through or overcome. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I'm so grateful that it didn't hold me down. And I know that it's a representation of so many other women out there. Mm -hmm. And when I stand on stage or I'm out there, you know, doing the things that I do, I don't care about the homes or the commissions or that. I care about the lives that we can impact. And that's why I'm very transparent about my story. You know, 16 and pregnant, divorced by 24, bankrupt by 27, failed businesses. But I kept on going and people say to me, oh my God, it's so similar to my story. Mm -hmm. We all have a story mm -hmm. and we all have, you know, an opportunity to take that story and turn it into a beautiful journey and legacy and, and, and inspire someone else right. to go after what they were meant to be. It's just a, it's just a, a chapter in your journey, mm -hmm. that, that moment where you go through trials or challenges. But the truth is, the beauty of that is that had you not gone through that, you wouldn't become who you're supposed to be. And you have a choice. So for me, it's really helping people unlock their leadership and mm -hmm. hopefully inspiring people to just go out there and just do big things, no matter how scary they are. What would you say to the girl who is not in the place of believing in herself, right? The girl who her mindset is just not in a good place. Maybe she's dealing with some trauma. She hasn't gotten to the next step yeah. of it all, you know, and that's a very like that rock bottom. It's yeah. a very hard place. Um, there was something that you latched onto that kept you going, but what would you say to the girl who is struggling yeah. to keep herself going? You know, I think um, it's harder said than done. Mm -hmm. But I think if you just say nicer things to yourself, if if you you can just whisper kind things to yourself, mm -hmm. because what you're already going through is already hard enough. Mm -hmm. And maybe someone's already casting judgment, but the worst thing you can do is cast judgment on yourself. The other day I read something, it was like, my past, um, you know, the people who throw uh, shade at your past, it's okay, J Jesus already uh, dropped the charges. You know, you gotta I drop the that. charges on yourself. Yeah. You gotta stop beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I carried this cloud of shame and judgment over myself. And I was casting more judgment on myself than anybody else was. Mm -hmm. And I believed this is what people think about me. I was telling myself all these lies. Mm -hmm. It's what I thought of myself. And I had to I had to rewrite the story and tell myself nicer things. So anyone going through things, we all go through challenges, but it's beautiful when you can whisper beautiful things to yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, drop to your knees, pray, and just say to yourself, the words that will get you out of this and that you believe in yourself. This isn't forever. Mm -hmm. This trauma isn't forever. Um, and who you become through this journey is just beautiful. You said that you've been wired to kind of accept the pain in your life, right? I want you to elaborate on that because I found that to be interesting because it sounds like you also grew up in a very good family where you did see, you know, some sort of when you see, it's one thing, it's one thing if you're successful and you've never seen success, right? Yeah. It's a whole nother thing when you seen your mom work, she was successful, you now then become successful. So how were you growing up in this pain? So my mother's success, you know, again, I, she probably wouldn't categorize it like that, but yeah. I believe she was successful mm -hmm. because she started these things, but a lot of them failed. Mm -hmm. um, but really my pain came from um, abusive relationships. Mm. Um, not knowing my worth and uh, I was really bullied growing up uh, so that was a lot of trauma like I got jumped every other like week or month growing up wow. and that played a lot of a lot into my trauma mm -hmm. um, where I started believing that being hurt was a pattern that was acceptable mm -hmm. and um, then I just started hanging around the wrong people and you know, doing things that hurt my family, hurt mm -hmm. my parents. Mm -hmm. um, and when I got pregnant at 16, you know, I remember seeing my dad cry, 
And he was like, you know, we worked so hard. We had big dreams for you. And mija, you know, botaste tu vida. Oh. And I remember looking at him. I was like, no, papi. I was like, I promise you that I'm going to become somebody. And I remember, you know, seeing your dad cry. It just breaks, you yeah, know. Of course. And, and I was daddy's little girl. Yo era su kiki. Soy todavía, pero, you know. And um, I think that was the, the moment. And, um, you know, I, my, my, my son's father was not um, the best, uh, probably, choice of partner. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I went through a lot of trauma in that relationship. Mm -hmm. um, but I also grew up with a family that they, they rode it they they worked through their problems and mm -hmm. they you know rode together it was like ride or die and i was like well this is my baby daddy so i'm gonna ride or die with him mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. total mistake yeah you know because mm -hmm. i thought like i need to follow the tradition mm -hmm. and um the tradition honestly um wasn't healthy for me and i remember having the courage to grab my baby and say i'm not gonna raise my child in this environment mm -hmm. you gotta go And he was like, well, I ain't going nowhere. I was like, oh, no, you're leaving. And, you know, packed it up. I was 17, 18 years old, I, you know, and I was scared. Um, I couldn't go back home. And uh, it was it was scary. And what the people don't see is I slept on my brother's couch. I slept on my godmother's in her spare little twin bed that she had in her sala for me, mm -hmm. um, you know, because my pride wouldn't let me go back and say to my parents, I, I, I made the wrong choice right. because right. I wanted to, you know, make them proud and not show them what I was going through. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot, a lot of things that happened during that time of me just trying to prove myself. Mm -hmm. And now I have this little kid and, you know, um, that's where the real trauma just started stacking up stacking up stacking up stacking up mm -hmm. um but i just get refused to give up it that wasn't easy and i was working three jobs and i was you know trying to make ends meet now a single mother mm -hmm. and um someone said you know to me you'll never be loved mm. and i believed it mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm. sorry i go this And, um, do you feel love now? Oh, yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to little Veronica? Oh, I'd give her the biggest hug. Yeah. I'd just say it's all gonna be okay, boo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What, well, where does... Because they're, they're still, like, you're emotionally charged by it, right? So yeah. what is it for you that is... I have... A beautiful family. I have five kids. Mm -hmm. I have four daughters. And as a mother, I just, you know, you want them to to know their worth and mm -hmm. just love themselves. It starts with them loving themselves. Yeah. And it's crazy how one person or a series of events can happen in your life and it could really derail you. Mm -hmm. And you might appear complete here, like educated this or, you know, hard worker here, but if you lack self-worth and self-love, um, it can be a really lonely journey mm -hmm. and a hard road. And you know, people mistake the success on the exterior and not know what you're going through. And I think, I just pray that my daughters know they're loved and they are love mm -hmm. and that, you know, they can do anything that they want in life. And my son too, because it goes both ways. It's not just mm -hmm. the girls, you know? Yeah. Um, you know We grow up with insecurities and, you know, it wasn't that my parents instilled that in me. Mm -hmm. It was the environment around me mm -hmm. that um, sometimes your parents aren't there. They can't always protect you. Yeah. You know, and I know that they wanted to, but um, because that's the one thing I will say about our family, like they have your back. Oh, yeah. You know, they have your back. Definitely. And when things get rough, they're, they rally. Everybody rallies. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that's the type of parent I am with my kids. No matter what they go through, I'm there for them. But oh. them loving themselves has to come from within. Mm -hmm. And my therapist, <laughs> she's my girl. The, hello. I mean, she's, she's <laughs> become family. Mm -hmm. um, I went through this, this, I remember calling her. I called her to help me uh, 
prepare for a divorce. And uh, she says, not on my watch. Mm. She says, let's go back to the root cause and the patterns. And um, she says, have you noticed the pattern of every relationship you've ever had? And I didn't understand what she was saying until I did the deep work. Mm -hmm. I saw, she was like, there is a cycle that needs to be broken here. Mm -hmm. And you're the common denominator. It's so, it's so true when I went to therapy and I was always talking about like my trauma growing up, especially like the relationship with my mom. That's like such a, a weird one for me because, you know, I didn't grow up like completely loving her, but now I do love her. And then this woman that kicked me out, now I love her even more. You know, like it was just weird. Yeah. And I just remember going to therapy like, and I, I always told my, I, there was this one moment where I said, God, I, I hate myself for feeling this way, but I don't like the woman that she is. I don't hate my mom, mm. but I don't like the woman that she is. And she was like, well, that, that's, a, that's a really tough feeling to feel that, right? As like a little girl, like you're feeling these feelings. And she said, you know, Ali, everybody comes to me with different things. It could be a divorce. It could be their relationship with their parents. It could be anything. And what I always, my, my method in helping someone is if I could just teach them to love themselves, yeah. then every problem would just fix on their own. Well, I had this chip on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. I always thought it was me against the world. I thought yeah, it was yeah. me against everyone, me having to prove someone, me having to, and I was like, girl, like, let it go. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, you don't have to fight the world. Mm -hmm. But remember, that's that girl that was bullied, right? That was that girl that was in an abusive relationship. Like, I had to fight, fight, fight. Oh, oh, you want to you wanna cheat on me? I need to prove to you that I'm good enough. Like, yeah, it yeah. was always fighting, fighting. Mm -hmm. And um, when I started realizing I didn't have to fight anymore, that's when, you know, I gave myself permission to just, you know, Stop fighting the world. But really, yeah. I was fighting with my. I was fighting yeah, myself. It's you, it's you versus you. It was me versus yeah. me, absolutely. Um, but I'm in such a good place. And it's funny, when I started going to therapy, I started really working on myself, started making some conscious decisions, doing the deep work. Uh, my world looked completely different. My business looked different. Um, businesses stopped failing <laughs> as mm -hmm. much as they mm -hmm. did uh, before. And um, the people around me, um, I started opening up my eyes and seeing who probably who wasn't healthy for me, mm -hmm. um, and then I started being able to walk alone. And that was another thing is I had this trauma with betrayal mm -hmm. and um, fear of being alone. Mm. And then I went on this kind of like journey of learning to be alone mm -hmm. and enjoying being alone, to being with self. But how does that work in your business where you rely on people? Because it is a teamwork. Yeah. So I wonder, like, if you have this feeling of, like, I enjoy being alone. I can do everything on my own. I'm fully content here. How do you then transition into this businesswoman where you have, like, a team of people? I think, again, trust mm -hmm. is part of love, right? Yeah. I think trusting and abundance and, and all of that. I love sharing it with other people, good people. And I have a really great team. And, you know, I've had different versions of my team. Mm -hmm. I say a lot of iterations of my team. Right. Um, and, you know, I, the, I'm really glad that regardless of what happened to me, I wasn't jaded. Mm -hmm. I still see the good in people. Mm -hmm. And I've had people in my world that I can trust. They're like, I got your back. And I do yeah. believe they genuinely care about me. Mm -hmm. um, so when I was going on my healing journey, mm -hmm. I had a tribe of people that were like, do this. Yeah. We got your back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's risks that come with that. Mm -hmm. You have to know that there's risks that come with that. Mm -hmm. But it's a beautiful thing to trust people. And yeah. I, I just feel blessed because, the, you know, it's worked out. Mm -hmm. And um, in order for me to become a better leader, I needed to go on that journey. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about what I do for a living. It is a team sport. Yes. And I love is. that. I think as an entrepreneur that understands leverage and understands, you know, having a really great team, you know, you know if you're running a business when you could step away from your business and your business is still there. And Absolutely. a lot of people call themselves entrepreneurs and they're different types of entrepreneurship. I totally believe in that. Mm -hmm. But for me, the true test was can I step away? And can this operate better than when I was away, when mm -hmm. I was in it? 
And uh, many times it does. When I come in, I usually break shit. They're like, get away, go. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, but yeah. for the most part, you know, I come in with my crazy ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm an extrovert. I, I love people, but I've been tapping into this little introvert side of me. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like my thinking time, my time to really reset. And then I come back with, I think, better creative ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I'm, I'm too in the weeds, I'm too in it, I can't think clear. Right. So I'm I'm a Virgo, by the way. Um, I'm a, I've learned that I'm an Earth baby. Like yeah. I need to connect with like the Earth. Mm-hmm. So I have a house in Puerto Rico that overlooks the ocean, Love and you that. can see El Junque. You're mm-hmm. all you're invited whenever you want to go. <laughs> um, and when I get when I go there, I'll I'll go there for a couple weeks or you know a few days and just retreat, rest, write, think, read, um, and then I'll come back like like a bull in a china shop and I'm like let's go you know what what would you say is next for you because you opened up some successful businesses not gonna lie so what like what is like your next step um because now you're like in real estate killing killing the game yeah um I I I said this out loud yesterday you know I want to get into development I want to develop um, I want to be a lady leader in the commercial space and development space. I still think there's a lot of room to grow there. Um, and I really want to help be a part of other people's business growth. Um, what that looks like, not necessarily just in real estate. And I, I believe I'm real estate was a vessel, it was a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think one day I might even go into ministry. Saying it for the first yes. time out loud, I, God put that on my heart the other day, and I was like, "I hear you." I don't know when, but I think it's gonna be at His time. I love that. I love that for you. Thank you. Can we talk about Lumi Loves, please? <laughs> because this space is incredible. Thank you. I love this space. What was the concept behind it? When did you start it? What was that process like for you? Um, so it was it was interesting. Um, I've always had a passion for, uh, you know, content and, 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 and like, I have a great team that, um, you know, Rich and Jenny, shout out to Rich and Jenny, uh, who always, you know, like are my biggest hype woman, you know, man and woman, they're like, let's get you on the camera, let's get you this. And mm-hmm. we started off in my other office, just, you know, with a camera and like lights. And um, I, saw a vision one day of us you know maybe having a podcast room but we didn't have the space Mm -hmm. and um uh, next to my office uh, uh, a unit opened up and i was like oh i need i need storage and i was walking in i was like oh this looks like it might be a good spot for like a studio and and behind you there's a nice little room where we we we're gonna use that as a closet and i was and then someone said that should be your podcast studio and um we have been talking about it. I think we manifested it. And we've done a lot of things like that. Like mm-hmm. we're just sitting there, we just start co-creating and having all these ideas and hyping each other up. But we had equipment, we had some furniture, and I was like, let's repurpose this, but let's turn it into something special. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people have followed our work or they were like, you guys are always crushing it. Like, And we really wanted to help other people break into their comfort zone, you know, like get out of their comfort zone and, yeah. and, and break into content. Mm-hmm. Um, and we said, what if we could be that solution for people? Mm-hmm. Um, so Lumi Lofts is funny because, it, it, you know, we sat there, we brainstormed the name and mm-hmm. light up my imagination, mm. um, inspiration and influence. Because, um, you know, listen, every business starts with an idea. Yes. Every single one of us have a story, has something inside of us mm-hmm. and all we have to do is just turn on the lights and, and, and just tap into it yeah. and it doesn't have to be perfect and we want it to be a, a, a safe space for people to feel comfortable to just break out of their shell yeah. and we wanted a f- affordable solution mm-hmm. um, our industry is you know uh, you know real estate agents are becoming more marketers than what they are you know real estate agents per se right. um, but it's it's they're sold every day something Mm-hmm. So I was like, what if we can also offer an affordable solution, something that has some continuity, mm-hmm. um, that they can come in, do their work, do their, you know, podcast, or whether it's podcast, you know, photo shoot, uh, feel good. And um, it came to life. We opened it in June. Um, very soft opening. Yeah. At first it was a lost leader. It was just for us. But then mm-hmm. people were like, 
how do I sign up? And we're like, okay, we got a real business here. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. we're really, really proud of our little studio. We, we believe it's going to be something that can really help impact a lot of lives. Um, we've got some great clients that trust us and and they shoot their podcasts here every week Mm -hmm. uh love love seeing them really break out of their shell and you know here we are blessed to have someone like you here no thank you for having me (laughs) it's an honor this space is incredible like i saw this space online and i was telling you offline like i'm really big on aesthetics um and the minute i saw the studio i said no this is this is perfect like it, it does have that good energy, good feel, and there's just something like very nostalgic too about this space that I love. Yeah, and you know it's funny when we put it together. Like my cousin is the one who does all my design. Like we called it all the troops in. Like my husband painted. You know, <laughs> it's like again like a familia, right? Yep, everybody, you call everybody. Yep. Everybody comes out. You know, we're like fighting over the couch that I wanted to put in here and nobody wanted the couch that I wanted to put in here and I ended up losing that battle mm-hmm. but um it was a good battle I put up a good fight but yeah. you know it's funny it's like family we're dysfunctional but we all had these ideas but I think it was really cool to see everybody contribute towards it and um I think it's going to be really special I'm really yeah. proud of it I'm so happy for you thank you you ready for my rapid fire because I feel like you've already seen it and oh. you know it but let's see I don't know. Let's see. Okay. Nervous? No, don't be nervous. Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Um, Dime con quien tu anda y te diré quien eres. That's (laughs) it right there. Um, What's one thing you need in the morning? Mi cafecito. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can't start my morning without it. Um, If you had an, an opportunity to have the last supper with three Latinas, dead or alive, who would they be? Um, of course, Jennifer Lopez. I'm there too. Let's go. I'm gonna be the plus four. I'm be the <laughs> yes. Person. Yes. Um, Rita Moreno. Yes. Um, and my grandmother. Mm. What are you guys eating? Arroz con gandule. Um, no pernil because unfortunately me cae mal. Um, yes. Pero una canecita guisadita. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this chapter of your life called? This chapter of my life is called freedom. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah. Um, finish this sentence. Growing up Latina is the most beautiful thing ever. Mm. Um, what is something you would want to work on that you haven't already? My podcast. Yes, (laughs) you better, you absolutely better. Um, Last question, what does it mean to you to be Latina? You know, to me, being Latina is a badge of honor. I'm so proud of it, I love it. I hope that I can continue to open doors for other Latinas. I'm proud of you, Veronica. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on my show. Veronica Figueroa. Thank you. Ali B. Thank you. <laughs> Let everybody know where they can find you, your Instagram. And yeah, Veronica Figueroa Inspires. Um, hit us up. Yes. I need okay. a tissue. <laughs>